the world we know is changing. I'm Moira Gunn, and welcome to Biotech Nation. Fibrosis is the medical condition where there is an overproduction of fibrous growth and scarring. It can occur almost anywhere in the body, in major organs, in muscle tissue, in blood vessels, and more. What we're talking about today is a particular kind called scleroderma. It's an overly active fibrous condition of the skin. Here, the skin thickens and tightens and may become extremely sensitive to cold and heat. Patches of skin can become dry and itchy and even discolor. Joints can swell and become painful and mobility can be compromised and more. It's considered to be an autoimmune disease caused by the usual suspects, some combination of genetics, immune system challenges, and environmental factors, including stress. Today, I speak with Dr. Darren Kelly, a professor and researcher at the University of Melbourne and the founder and CEO of CERTA Therapeutics. CERTA's drug candidate for the treatment for scleroderma is based on his multi-decade scientific research. It's currently in advanced clinical trials. And now, Dr. Kelly. Dr. Kelly, welcome back to the program. Well, thanks, Maura. It's great to be on the program once again. Now, we don't often talk about great clinical trial results. It seems like we're always waiting for them. But we do have some good results today. And before we get to that, I want to lay some background out. And I'd first like to talk about fibrosis. Um, and, and we'll be talking within fibrosis of, of a medical condition called scleroderma. But fibrosis itself, you've told me that it causes 45% of the deaths in the industrial world, nearly half. So what's included in that 45% and why the industrial world? Yeah, it's a really good point, Moira, and, and most of the, your listeners may not um, have attributed fibrosis as you know, such a, a big uh, cause of mortality. Most people think cancer. Um, but the thing about fibrosis is that it basically causes scar tissue to all of our organs, and that's the reason our organs fail. Um, so, you, you know, when you have kidney failure, uh, you get scar tissue. Uh, when you have a heart attack, you have scar tissue. Uh, and when you have cancer, you end up with scar tissue. And that scar tissue basically takes over the organs and stops the cells functioning, and therefore they fail. So it's an enormous problem. Uh, it's a massive unmet need. Uh, and so any drug that can target fibrosis directly uh, and stop that fibrosis uh, can have a, a, a massive um, effect, beneficial effect to human health and, and obviously health economics. So it's, yeah, you're right, it's, it's a big problem and uh, whoever cracks that, it's going to be a huge blockbuster. Now, why the industrialized world? Is that only where you get uh, information from or is there a key there to something else? I think the, the publication that wrote Industrialised Work really actually was saying that that's where it's been documented. In, in other, uh, you know, uh, parts where you have malaria and, and other things that are not associated with fibrosis, you know, the documentation's not as good, um, so there's not as much clarity. So it's always been classified as a, a condition that's, you know, more prevalent in the industrialised world. Many people don't know you are a longtime professor at the University of Melbourne, and and for 
decades now, you've been studying fibrosis. What have you done and what has your research learned that we didn't know before? So over the past 30 years, we've been looking at individual components that uh, cause fibrosis. But the problem is there are, there are thousands of different components that lead to inflammation and fibrosis and ultimately uh, end organ failure. So if you just block one target, you don't see a benefit in the clinic. So in our research, we've been focusing on upstream pathways that block a multitude of those different factors. In fact, around 80% of those factors. So this highly specific target can then stop all of the downstream pathways. So a little bit like a river, slowing the river flow, um, slowing the flow, slowing the inflammation and stopping the fibrosis. Um, yeah, so it's, it, it really is around the, uh, the upstream pathway. Now, let's talk about scleroderma itself. What is it? Who gets it? What's its effect on the human body? Yeah, well, scleroderma is it's a deb- really a debilitating condition. Uh, it's an autoimmune condition. It's probably not that well known, but it fits under the rheumatology sort of umbrella. So it's a condition where you can get fibrosis in a variety of different organs, uh, often in the lung, where you then suffer from shortness of breath and and, and you know, you can then lead to mortality. Uh, the joints, it can affect kidneys, a whole multitude of different different effects, skin, uh, thickening of skin. And, and so, yeah, there are no treatments available at the moment. It's a condition that predominantly affects working-age women. Uh, and the treatments at the moment are really around alleviating only the symptoms, uh, so not really having an effect on the fact that this condition causes uh, inflammation and, and fibrosis throughout the whole body. Now, is this strictly genetic? Look, it's probably not just genetic, but there may be environmental factors uh, that trigger off this autoimmune response. Um, there probably is a, is a genetic component, but it's unknown at the moment. The immune response is basically the body attacking itself um, and looking at the body as if it's a foreign particle or a foreign body and then attacking itself causing inflammation and then ultimately fibrosis so it's a bit of a check issue here where um, the body's tricked into thinking uh, it's it's a foreign body now you've learned the genetic profile you've looked at the as you say the upstream the upstream pathways that could be problematic and you've developed a treatment a pill what what did you develop and, and what does it do? Yes, well, um, as you were saying before, so this research does come out of our laboratory at the University of Melbourne at St Vincent's Hospital and also the Bio21 Institute. Uh, working with a chemist many years ago named Spencer Williams, he and I got together uh, and started working on this, this, this novel uh, compound uh, called FT11. Um, and FT11 blocks that upstream pathway uh, and then can actually then dampen down you know, 80% of those, those factors that cause inflammation uh, and fibrosis. And therefore, it's predicted that it will have a, a much better outcome in terms of preserving tissues and, and preventing fibrosis. So the idea is to, is to dampen down the whole thing, if you will, the whole activity, not just to treat the various symptoms where it happens to occur in your body. Yep, 100%. You've exactly right it's uh, it's about you know slowing down that whole process that occurs over, over many many years from 
you know, from two years to 20 years and, and it's, you know, quite debilitating, as you can imagine. Okay, so now we've just finished a phase two trial. Tell us exactly what you did. What ha- what did the participants do? And then what were the results? Yeah, I think it goes back to your point before. We're always waiting on clinical trial results and we've spent 16 years developing this. So when you do see something come from the laboratory out into the real world and then uh, you, you get your phase two data before Christmas and you look at the the clinical indicators and you see a huge benefit in patients that were on the 400 milligram dose. Uh, more than 60% of patients uh, had a positive clinical response to our drug. It was safe. Uh, and so this is, you know, it's phenomenal. It's remarkable data. It's never been seen before. Uh, and of course it, it sends chills down his spine really, because that's why you go and you go and develop or try and develop a drug. And, you know, it, it is a long pathway as you've mentioned before. Now, if I'm I'm looking at my data here, so let me say this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. You tested 30 adults, 10 on placebo. They got nothing. They didn't know they got nothing. They took a pill every day like everyone else. Um, 10 who got the 200 milligram version and 10 who got the, the 400 milligram version. As you were saying, the 400 milligram version, um, 60% saw improvement, market improvement. On the 200 milligram version, that was only 20%. And on the placebo, you actually measured a worsening, which was truly, truly unfortunate. But I'm sitting here thinking, okay, great. This this is the kind of result you get in phase two. You're very encouraged. But you know, it's not obvious what to do next. It's like, uh, do you do a 400 and a 600 milligram version? What do you do? Where do you go from here? Look, that's a great point. And that's something we're contemplating at the moment. I think the exciting thing is that you rarely ever see a 60% response uh, with your top dose. And I I think we're confident now that our top dose is 400 milligrams. So from here on, we would probably move into a registration trial where we do both 200 and 400 milligrams. Uh, we monitor the safety of these patients over 12 months uh, and we look for efficacy so clearly we're getting some early responders because the trial showed you know significant clinical improvement after only 12 weeks which really is phenomenal Um, so it it really is encouraging moving into a a pivotal marketing trial where we aim to show you know a a huge benefit to patients Uh, and potentially even at the lower the lower dose we we might see more and more patients responding um, but taking a longer time. I have to laugh. I'm sitting here saying, well, how about a higher dose? (laughs) You have some, you must have some indication that a higher dose uh, could have other uh, side effects. The truth is you rarely see 60% response rate. So that to me means that, uh, you know, based on all the research we've done over the, over the many years, I'm confident that 400 is out is our upper limit. And what we're really looking for here and, and what the FDA will be looking for is actually the minimum dose because they want to make sure that the compounds are safe as it possibly can be. So if 200 milligrams works out to have a 50% response rate over 12 months, that's probably the dose we'll go to the market with. I like it. This is why I'm the journalist and you're the researcher slash entrepreneur. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now we have our roles straight. Now, now, now we know what we're doing. But I, I think that really points out it's like, we only, you only went for 12 weeks 
And if you're, you, you want to take as little of any medication as possible. So if it's like, yes, we could get you there uh, to where you are in 12 weeks, but you're going to be taking this, you anticipate, for the rest of your life at this point. And so you don't want to do any damage. You want to say, be a little patient. If, if, the, if a long term can bring it, we would prefer to do that. So that says to me, the next trial, you could do 200 milligram again, 400 milligram, but you're going to go more than three months. Yeah, no, exactly right. It'll, it'll be a, probably a 12 month study. Uh, and, and that'll then allow us to look at, uh, you know, safety. In, in more detail, we've already got a great safety profile, but showing it over 12 months, because as you said, we're going to be treating patients for, you know, 5, 10, 20 years. So we want to make sure it's safe. Uh, and that'll give us a, a really good readout on when the clinical efficacy starts to take place. Is it 12 weeks or are there more patients um, getting clinical efficacy after six months? Uh, so that's a, you know, it's a really great point. We do have some of the, the patients on what's called open label extension. So despite the fact they were treated for 12, what, 12 weeks, there were several patients that when we unblinded the study said they had a, a, a clinical benefit and wanted to remain on drug. So we've, we've supplied them with drug for another nine months and we're monitoring those patients quite closely. Uh, and of course, they're, they're keen to stay on drug. Uh, they're feeling a lot better, less pain, their joints feel um, you know freer. So. I think that's you know part of us sort of moving into that transition phase where we do uh, a pivotal trial. Now you're in Melbourne, but you've said the FDA. Where are your trials? Where are you targeting to go here? Yeah, the trial's global. So this current trial that we're talking about was predominantly done in, in Europe and Australia, uh, and mainly because there was a lot of competing trials in the US at that time. But as we move into a, a pivotal trial, it'll be a global international, US, Europe, Australia, Asia, um, clinical trial. How does this compare to the standard of care? What is out there now? Um, that's, that's a really great point because the standard of care at the moment is really only trying to alleviate some of the symptoms like pain, uh, lethargy, um, you know, without treating the fibrosis itself. So this is, this is what we would hope will be the standard of care. Um, that will make patients have a better quality of life uh, and, and improve their their lifestyle and allow people to, to get back into the workforce and, and, and yeah, really improve quality of life. I think that's a critical thing. Well, Dr. Kelly, thank you so much. I hope you'll come back and keep us updated. Thanks, Maura. It's always great to chat to you. University of Melbourne professor Dr. Darren Kelly is the founder and CEO of Certa Therapeutics. He also serves as the Director of Biomedical Research in the Department of Medicine at St. Vincent's Hospital, Melbourne. More information is available at certatherapeutics.com. That's CERTA, C-E-R-T-A, certatherapeutics.com. More information about scleroderma, including the location of designated research and treatment centers throughout the United States, and information regarding the pediatric form of this condition is available from the National Scleroderma Foundation at scleroderma.org. Listen to more biotech podcasts at biotechnation.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. Biotech Nation is a regular feature of the weekly public radio program, 
Tech Nation. Listen to the full show via podcast or on your local public radio station. For Biotech Nation, I'm Moira Gunn.